Well, I know two weeks ago, Pastor Stephen said, uh, hey, Pastor Brian asked me to wrap up the series, so this is the last one in the Upside Down series, and, and while I was away, I thought, I need to come at it one more time, and uh, so this is sort of the, uh, the uh, I guess, the appendix to the, to the message series, um, and we're going to call this Upside Down Everywhere, and we're going to look at Acts chapter 17. If you've got a Bible with you, I'd like to start, you find that, find out in your phone or your Bible, or you can listen as I read, but Upside Down Everywhere. In this series, we talked about the qualities of that first century church, the early church, and, and the, the, the characteristics that, that made them uh, have such an impact in their world. We talked about they were fully devoted to their small groups and, and meeting together. They were powered by prayer. They were, they were compassionate in their leadership. They were, they were proclaiming the gospel internationally across uh, ethnic boundaries. They were generous in their discipleship and gave, and, and they were healthy and growing. And then today I want to talk about one last thing uh, as they were kind of moving everywhere. If you've got your Bible open, I'd like you to, to get to that Acts 17. Let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. It says this, Paul and Silas. Now, you might wonder, well, what happened to Paul and Barnabas? Paul and Barnabas were working together, and uh, they had a kind of a difference of opinion, and they split, went separate ways. Paul picked up a new partner named Silas. And it says, Paul and Silas then traveled through the towns of Amphipolis and Apollonia and came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service, and for three Sabbaths in a row, he used the scriptures to reason with the people. He explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. And he said, this Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. Some of the Jews who listened were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, along with many God-fearing Greek men and quite a few prominent women. But some of the Jews were jealous, so they gathered some troublemakers from the marketplace to form a mob and start a riot. And they attacked the home of Jason, searching for Paul and Silas so they could drag them out to the crowd. And not finding them there, they dragged out Jason and some of the other believers instead and took them before the city council. Now remember, Paul and Silas had just been there, just started ministry, and so Jason and the other believers, these are new believers, these are new Christians, and they're already suffering for their faith. And uh, they took him to the city council. And they said, Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world. Or if you read your ESV, it says, they have turned the world upside down. And they shouted, and, they, and now they are here disturbing our city. And Jason has welcomed them into his home. And they are all guilty of treason against Caesar, for they profess allegiance to another king named Jesus. And the people of the city, as well as the city council, were thrown into turmoil by these reports. And so the officials forced Jason and the other believers to post bond, and then they released them. We thank the Lord for his word. Let's be seated together. The Apostle Paul getting in trouble was normal. It was normal. This is what happened to him. If you read Acts chapter 16, you see that he was, he, 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 he and Silas had been imprisoned and beaten because they had shared the gospel and had actually had delivered a, a, a demon-possessed girl and, and it stirred up trouble and they had been imprisoned for their faith. And now here they are in Thessalonica getting mob chased out of the place. Let's go to that map. I just want you to get a kind of a, kind of a perspective of where this is. Remember Antioch is kind of the place where the gospel exploded to the known world or to the Roman Empire. And so now we're looking at the blue arrow along the top, way over Thessalonica, the top of what's today Greece or right below what's today is Macedonia. 
And Paul and Silas, let me tell you this, they were not on a mission to make nicer people. They, they weren't trying to create more successful or better citizens of the empire. They were on a mission to deliver a simple message of profound importance. And the message is this, that you can be reconciled to God, that your sins can be forgiven, and you can have confidence in the hope of eternal life. That was their message. Paul did not preach religion or good works or to try harder righteousness. He did not teach the seven steps to a better life or how to find inner peace. He simply preached Jesus. That was his message. And in case you forgot and you're taking notes this morning and it's in your outline, you want to write this down. It's all about Jesus. And you think, Brian, we know that. That's like a Sunday school answer. I know. <laughs> but that's what it is. It's all about Jesus. That's what it is. It's that simple. And most people assume that every kind of religious organization or every religious worldview has essentially the same mission, right? Give people a crutch, help them through the hard times and, and get through life tough things and, and offer some hope of some kind of heaven when we die. Well, we, we all need some help and some hope. But we come to Jesus not because we need a crutch. We come to Jesus because we need salvation. We need forgiveness of our sin. We need hope for eternal life. Not just a crutch to get through this life. We need reconciliation with God. No other religious worldview can offer you what Jesus offers. What Jesus, what Jesus delivers. Forgiveness. Eternal life. Everyone else, and here's why. Everyone else will tell you it's up to you. Try harder. Be more devoted, give more, go to the religious place more, do more, do more. That's what it is, every other worldview. And only in Jesus do we see that God gives. They want you to find something in yourself. But the Christian knows, we don't, I don't have anything in myself. I can't be my own authority. There's nothing here because it's all about Jesus. It's all found in Christ. And so our goal as Christians is less self-reliance, not more. It's more faith in God, more love for one another, more attentiveness to the work of the Holy Spirit, more confidence in Jesus in good times and in bad times. You can be yourself. God made you who you are. You've got a wonderful personality, but rooted in Christ is where it, where it matters. Paul wrote the following to another group of believers, the Corinthian church. He said this, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and oppressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who is crucified. Simple message. Paul was not about religion. It was about Jesus. Because Jesus is the only way to salvation. He was about the person of Christ. Only Jesus paid for your sins. Only Jesus rose from the dead. Only Jesus promised to return. I want you to understand this. Religion will make demands on you. But God is about giving his grace to you. By your faith in Jesus Christ. And maybe you're not sure about this. Maybe you've got questions. Even believers have questions about these things. You think, well, aren't there lots of good ways to get to God? I mean, surely... 
you know, there's got to be other ways. And, and Or you think, well, why do Christians have to be so exclusive about this Jesus business? Or, or maybe you think, well, how could a, you know, loving God allow someone to go to hell? Good questions. Great questions. Questions worth answering, right? I wonder if the Apostle Paul had to answer some of the same questions. Because I know he was dealing with Jews in the synagogue, and so there's certain kind of basic worldview that they started with. But but if you look at verses 2 and 3, it says this, As was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service, and for three Sabbaths in a row, he used the Scriptures to reason with the people. He explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, This Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. Huh. He reasoned. He explained. He proved. Because they had questions. I want you to, I want you to know. It's okay to have questions. It's okay to have questions. You can write this down. You're allowed to ask questions. It's allowed. It's okay. My only, um, caution is that you're willing to look for answers. I have no problem with doubts, questions. But if you're going to ask, be responsible enough to look for answers. Don't be a cynic. It's okay to be a skeptic. Don't be a cynic. Say, well, I don't understand. I'm not sure about this. You can ask questions. And on top of that, for those of you who are believers, it's okay to persuade. It's okay to explain for persuasion, as Paul did, because... All this, this message of the gospel, the message that Jesus died for your sins so you could have the hope of eternal life and, and forgiveness in your own life, it's the only message that matters. So God's, God's not going to force anyone into heaven. You understand that, right? God is, God is gracious and kind. He's not a dictator. He's not going to force anyone into heaven. Heaven's an opt-in program by your faith in Jesus. And so... We want to persuade, if it's really good news, I want to persuade people about it. This last fall, we took a trip with a group from this church. And uh, while we were away, some folks were saying they were taking this uh, like high-dose vitamin C to try to keep colds and flus away. And I'm like, I don't know about you, but like I tend to think those vitamin remedies are a bit, yeah, that's yeah, kind of up here, right? Like, okay, sure. But, you know... Enough testimonials of people who said, look, I'm not getting sick, and I'm taking... So I tried it. You know, I got through this whole winter without a cold or flu. I got close a couple times, but, man, I'm I'm convinced. So, and I'm telling everybody, you got to take this stuff. It's amazing. It'll keep you healthy, right? I want to persuade people of some good medicine that I found, some good news that I found. Well, why wouldn't I want to do the same thing with the gospel? It's normal to want to persuade people of something you really believe and have found to be true. But I think, unfortunately, let's take a moment of honesty here. Is too many of us Christians have maybe lived a life that's kind of unconvincing. Or we, you know, we look just like everybody else. And our lives don't come anywhere close to what we read about in the New Testament and Acts. And so we're like a little embarrassed about it and kind of hold back and don't want to say much. It's hard to say... Well, hey, take this medicine, it works, when you're just as sick of this as the next guy. It doesn't really convince, and yet, 
Just because we're not living out this truth doesn't mean it's not true. Just because we don't live out the truth doesn't mean you say it's not true. That means we've not yet grown to the place of really knowing Jesus in a transforming way. Knowing Him personally, of really understanding grace. Or, or maybe we have unrealistic expectations of what the gospel will deliver. Maybe you, and I will say mistakenly, believe that a Christian should have no problems. Never be depressed. Never fail at marriage or work or education. Hmm. I wish. Right? I have struggles. Just like everybody else. The difference is, is that I know Jesus in the midst of it. And so, my faith gives me hope, gives me confidence. Gives me an understanding that there is something on the other side of this, as hard as it is right now. The confidence that Jesus is with me in the midst of the struggle. Means doesn't mean I have no problems. It means I don't have to fear the future or the past or live with regrets. It means I'm forgiven, but I'm not perfect. I still struggle and I still sin. But as I grow in my trust in Christ, I can expect to see God at work more and more in my life and in the lives of people around me. Because the truth is real and the truth is true. I want to see God at work in more tangible ways in my life. But it, it, it has to start with a, a desire to say, yes, I want to know this more. Not, well, I got just enough medicine to get through the day. No, I, I want more. I want, I want to grow in this. I want to get a hold of what is true. And not somehow try to say, well, I guess it's about the same as what everybody else has. I don't want the same as what everybody else has. I want to know Jesus and the power of his life. But as we see in Acts chapter 17, this message is going to either attract you or repel you. The message of Jesus will either attract you or repel you. It will either draw you close or push you away. And You see, this got Paul in trouble because he claimed that Jesus is both Messiah for the Jews... And, and Lord or, or, or King for the Gentiles, for the, for the Greeks in that Roman Empire. It's like, hey, this is the Messiah. This is the one you've been waiting for, Jewish people. And for those of you who aren't Jewish, this is, this is the Lord of Lords. And so the accusation was, these guys are teaching allegiance to another king besides Caesar. They're troublemakers. They're messing the place up. People don't always appreciate it when you pledge allegiance to a higher authority. You ever notice that? I'm, uh, I think I've shared with you before that I'm in process to become a citizen of the United States. And, uh, I just want you to know, I'm here by choice. Most of you were born, you didn't have a choice whether or not, but like, I chose this in a way that makes me almost more paid. Well, I don't know about that, but, right? But I'm here by choice, and my plan is to be a good citizen, a loyal citizen. But the USA, the United States of America, is not an eternal politic. Right? When, when, when we die, there's going to be no USA or Russia or any other country. Every human state, every empire, every kingdom, every republic has a limited lifespan. They will come to an end. And so while I'm committed to good citizenship while on this earth... My primary allegiance is to a kingdom that lasts forever, the kingdom of God. And to its reigning monarch, 
Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords. That's my primary, my first allegiance. And that's what was happening here in this book. People didn't understand that. Wait, wait, wait. How can you say, like, something's higher than Caesar? I don't want to get in trouble. Caesar is, is number one and I'll do something else underneath it. No. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He takes authority. He has first command in my life. Now, Paul and Silas, this is amazing. Paul and Silas were only in Thessalonica for about three weeks. This is three Sabbaths and then all this trouble happened. And yet some of the Jews and some of the Gentiles there were so offended by this message and so threatened by it that they stirred up this city into a riot. And yet these Thessalonian believers, brand new baby Christians, right, had so discovered the reality of Jesus, had so encountered that relief of forgiveness of sin and a hope of eternal life that they stood uh, stood up in persecution. They get dragged out of their homes and dragged to the city council, could just as easily have been slaughtered for their newfound faith. They had not been in Sunday school for 20 or 40 years, downloading information and getting more understanding and knowing the, the background of the New Testament. The New Testament wasn't written yet, so they were the background of the New Testament. They, they didn't understand all the in-depth details. They didn't have theology degrees. They just like brand new Christians. Jesus will trust in him. Oh, my sins are forgiven. I have eternal life. I have hope. I have promise. Wow, we've seen God doing great things. That was enough for them to stand up. In persecution, You know, it can be costly to follow Jesus. But look what Paul wrote just a short time later to these very believers. You read this in First Thessalonians chapter 1. It says this, For when we brought you the good news, it was not only with words, but also with power. For the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what we said was true. And you know of our concern for you from the way we lived when we were with you. So you received the message with joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of the severe suffering it brought you. In this way, you imitated both us and the Lord. And as a result, you have become an example to all the believers in Greece throughout both Macedonia and Achaia. And now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you to people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Achaia. For wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. This is incredible, you guys. We're talking months after this. We're not talking years of Sunday classes and Bible studies. And we're talking maybe months. And they're so, they've, they've met Jesus. And they've changed their city and they've changed their lives and they're changing the world. And it, Paul's running into people like, wait, you know about those Thessalonians? Yeah, they're like on fire for Jesus. What? Like, wouldn't it be crazy? Would this not be crazy if you're like in school or you're in work or, or you're someplace, you're on vacation at Pismo and someone gets talking and say, yeah, I, I go to this church. Like, well, what church are you? I'm from Fresno. I go to this place called Bethany Church. Bethany Church? I heard about that place. Man, you guys are nuts. You guys are on fire. I hear like, God's doing great things over there. Well, yeah, we just love Jesus and we're trying to tell other people about him. Wouldn't that be great? You know, there are some people walking around the Philippines that have Bethany Church t-shirts, by the way, right now. So that's kind of cool. I even got a few of them reading their R&R journal. So that's awesome, right? So I just want you to, to get this understanding. Like, that's what was happening because they meant Jesus. It wasn't about knowing more. It wasn't like about being so proficient and so like expert in something. Just like, well, they had Jesus. Remember, it's all about Jesus. But the message is either going to attract you or repel you. It's either going to comfort you or offend you. And I want you to put your faith in Jesus. And I want you to grow up in your relationship with him. 
so that you aren't afraid to let people know that you're following him or that you're at least thinking about following him. You're at least considering this concept of following Jesus. I, I want you to be able to come to church on Sundays and worship with abandon, regardless of style or song selection, just because you know that God has forgiven your sin and that's enough and you're excited about that. I, I, I'd love for you to, to, to gladly go and pray with our prayer team every Sunday morning that stand on the side there and, and we make that available every week. And I, I would love for you to feel like, man, I'm going to go get prayer. Not because you've got so many problems, but because every little problem is worth bringing to Jesus. Did you know that? Did you know that? Sometime I'll tell you about... We had a chicken that got healed at our place, but I'll tell you that story another time, right? Everything is worth bringing to, to God in prayer. I, I want you to be a part of a Christ-centered small group where, where you can, yeah, be in the Bible, but be real in your life and get to know some other people in a way that matters where you're deepening your connection with God and with people in a meaningful way. Not to download more information, but to download more of Jesus in your life. I don't want you to live a bland and boring Christian life. I, I don't. I don't want to live a bland and boring Christian life. I don't want you to either. Because if the gospel is true, and it is, ought we not live like it matters? And if you don't know Jesus yet, if you've never come to that place of personally putting your faith in Jesus to receive forgiveness of your sin and receive eternal hope of heaven, I I want to tell you this. I, I want you to experience that. I want you to know that it's sin that separates you from God. That restlessness you feel, that eternal longing, that, that, that void you feel in your life, that's sin that separates you from God. And God developed, devised, created, sent a plan, a remedy for that. It's Jesus. Jesus who went to the cross, and while he's on the cross, he collected all your sin. He said, I'll take it. I'll take it all. And he died, and he took that to the grave. And he says, and if you'll trust me, I, I'll, I'll, I've got all that. And I'll give you my new life instead in its place. That's the promise of the gospel. And if you've never encountered Jesus, I want you to know that. And I would love for you to come to that place of Jesus, I trust you. And maybe you've got questions. That's fine. Maybe you're not sure. That's okay. But don't just let it slide. Get your questions answered. And make your decision. And, and, and just say, look, Jesus, I want to know. I want to know what this means. Maybe you followed Jesus for a long time. You're a Christian. You've been in church every week. You're, you're faithful. You read your Bible. You pray. You know all that stuff. But it's just not very alive for you. And I would love for you to today just say, Jesus, I don't want more religion. I want more of you. I don't want more doing. I just want more being. I, I don't want you to be trying harder. I hear someone say, I'm just trying hard to be a good Christian. Stop that. Stop the trying harder business. Just say, Jesus, I just want to get to know you. So it's, it's on you too. To stop and say, Jesus, I want to get to know you. We've got ways that we can help you. Learn to read his word. Learn to talk to him in prayer. Learn to worship him when you gather and hit this place. Let him be at work in your life. We're going to close in prayer and I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray. If you're a believer, I'm going to give you an opportunity just to quietly say, Jesus, I just want to know you more. If you're not a believer yet, if you've never come to that place of trusting Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, I'll lead you in a little prayer. You can just quietly pray it in your own way and and you can talk to me about it afterwards. But I'd love for you to bow our heads together in prayer at this time. God, I'm I'm really grateful. I'm thankful for Jesus. I thank you that, that I thank you that you preserve these these accounts for us that we can read and we can learn from and apply to our own lives. 
And Lord, we don't want to be Bible experts and miss knowing Jesus. We don't want to be good religious people and miss having eternal life. So God, I ask that you would just make this more and more real to us. Holy Spirit, that you would, that you would speak to us about the hope that we have in you. The identity that we have and that who we are in you. I thank you for this truth of your grace and the gospel that changes lives. And church, as your heads are bowed right now, and maybe you've been a believer a short time, a long time, and you're not really sure if this is really making any difference. Can I just challenge you right now in your own quiet way, just going to give you a moment in your own quiet way before God, just invite him to do a fresh work in your life. And as you do that, he's going to speak to you about maybe an area you need to address. Maybe your relationship you need to resolve. Maybe somebody you need to forgive. Maybe somebody you need to say thanks to. Maybe somebody you need to help or, or some a sin you need to confess to somebody or something. But the Lord is going to speak to you about that. And maybe you're not a believer. You've never come to that place of trusting Jesus Christ. I invite you, if you're saying, yeah, today's my day. You could pray a simple prayer like this. You just say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. But I thank you that you forgive all my sins. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross. That you rose again. And I receive your forgiveness. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. The King of my heart. For all my days. And if you prayed something like that, I just, I want you to talk to me afterwards. and I'd love to help you kind of with next steps of what that looks like. God, we thank you that you are present in this place. Make us a changed people, I pray. For your glory, for your kingdom's sake, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, thank you for indulging me a little extra time today. God bless you. The peace of Jesus be on you this week. And I uh, hope to see you tonight, those of you who can make it at Butler Church. And uh, be ready for another great Sunday next week. God bless.